Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Now, in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, we hear the beginning of the story of Abraham the whole story of his life and what God calls him to do. And God speaks to him seemingly for the first time. We haven't really heard of Abraham's story up until this point. And he's living in the land of Haran with his family. And God says, I want you to get up from there, leave your family and the land you're living in and go to the land of Canaan. And as far as we know, he and his family were perfectly comfortable living where they were. They were, they were living off the land well, they were thriving and flourishing, um, and he had no idea about the land of Canaan and no real reason to think that that would be a better place to live. But he trusted in the Lord, he put his hope in the promise of the Lord that God wanted to bless him through going there. And as, and as well, the, that back in those days, he didn't exactly have a, a travel agent to call up to book some flights to get to the land of Canaan or to book himself a five-star hotel until he could find a place to rent. There wasn't even places to rent. They were just going off into the unknown. He was, God had called him and he just kind of set off in that direction towards this land that was apparently waiting for him. But Abraham was able to trust not in those tangible things that gave him that security, but was able to trust in what the Lord had said and trust in God's promise. We get to chapter 15 And then God brings a new promise to Abraham. He says, I will make your descendants as many as the stars of heaven. I'm going to make a great nation out of your descendants. I'm going to prosper you with many, many children. And Abraham could have wondered, well, you know, I'm already in my 80s, as is my wife, um, and we have no child, so I don't really know, Lord, how you're going to make me many descendants, because there's not much chance of us having a child. But Abraham is called again to put his hope in the promise of the Lord. Now, at this point, Sarah, his wife, has a good idea and says, ah, you know, it might seem impossible, and God has said this has happened, but here's a way that perhaps we can bring about what God has said will be brought about. And Sarah has the idea of of them having a child through her servant girl, Hagar. And Hagar ends up bearing Abraham the son, Ishmael. But... That's not what the Lord had in mind. So instead of hoping that what God had said would happen, as impossible as it seemed, they had turned to what seemed like an easier option, what was kind of something within their grasp, something that they could do about it, something that they could hold on to and bring about the promises of the Lord. But God would be faithful and would bring, bring them about, bring them children, but that wasn't the way that he wanted to do it. So... Ishmael wasn't the son of the promise, and eventually, after another 15 years or so, Sarah does bear Abraham a child, Isaac. So God is faithful to his promises, even if it takes a while. Um, And the call again was for Abraham to put his hope in what the Lord was doing and what the Lord said that he was going to do. Then we come to chapter 22, which is the event that we've heard today, the reading we've had, our first reading. And Abraham, the Lord says to Abraham, Take this son, this son that you waited all these years for, um, that is seemingly the, the very fulfillment of the promise that I'm making to you, go to a mountain with him and sacrifice him to me. Now, 
understandably, Abraham could have decided, well, if God's promising me lots of children, this is the only son that I have, this is the only way that I can get a whole nation of descendants, then surely I could kind of hold on to him so that what God has promised will come about. But the test that God is putting to Abraham, which can seem insane or outrageous, the challenge that he's putting on Abraham's trust is, can he hope actually in God and in God's promises, in God's faithfulness? There's a fine distinction there between trusting in the earthly things through which God seems to be bringing about his promise or trusting in God himself. Because it's so much easier when when God's promising to, to prosper us, promising to lead us into his riches, that we can lower our gaze to the things, the, the earthly things that God gives us, which are bringing about those promises. Even though they're good things, we can start trusting in them, placing our hope in the earthly things instead of in God and his promises himself. So here, there's the challenge for Abraham to either trust and hold, in, hold on to Isaac or to trust in the Lord and follow what he's calling him to. It seems like a very harsh challenge to make. Obviously, the, the um, challenge that God puts before Abraham of sacrificing his son is a horrific sort of thing when we think about it. But in terms of our, our surrendering things to God and, and our letting go of even good things that God has given us, he calls us to do this, but if something is truly good, if something is truly of God and a gift from him, when we surrender it to God, we will never actually lose it. It will always be restored to us, but it will be restored to us in such a way that we're now in right relationship with it. That we can enjoy this good thing, we can enjoy the earthly things, the gifts from God, as gifts from God. And then we can place our hope in God and trust in him to, to provide through us. So whether that's, you know, possessions or property, material um, goods or even relationships where we feel supported and cared for. God is blessing us through that. But if we place our hope in those things alone, we can lose sight of God and forget to trust in Him. We can stop hoping in God and hope in these things. But if we can hope in God, we then can enjoy these blessings that God's giving us in the right way, in the way that God wants to bless us through them. And this is necessary because none of these earthly things can actually sustain our hope. None of them can actually fulfill us. And to, to place our hope in earthly things, even in a relationship with another person um, or material things that God is blessing us with, that cannot fulfill our hopes. We can't rest on that. All these earthly things are going to pass away. They're going to fade away in some way. It's only... God, who is the rock on which we can actually place our hope. Um, and we see, we see this in the story of Abraham because Isaac is indeed restored to him. He was willing to follow the Lord's call, to hope in the Lord alone and to let go of his son. But God prevents his, he stays his hand, prevents him from putting his son to death and he gives him back to him. But now Abraham has been drawn into that deeper trust of the Lord, the deeper hope in him, 
so that he can truly follow the Lord's promise. And Isaac does become the son through whom the nation of Israel um, comes about. Now, if we look to the followers of Jesus, we can see that they, they were trusting in Jesus. They'd kind of set out on the path as Jesus had called them and were following him. But I think if, if their hearts were weak and fickle, just like Abraham's or just like ours, I reckon there was a bit of mixed attachment in there as well, that rather than hoping in Jesus alone, there was probably some part of them that was actually just hoping in the great miracles that he was working, the wonderful signs Jesus had been doing, or hoping in the great popularity that Jesus was having, that there were great crowds thronging after him, that all, everything he did, all his ministry seemed to be really successful. But then comes the challenge for them to trust in Jesus alone, to purify their hearts and their hopes that step further. And our gospel today comes from a turning point in Mark's gospel where for the first half of the gospel, there's been a lot of this great powerful signs from Jesus. He's been healing, he's been casting out demons, he's been astounding all of the crowds and teaching with great wonder. Um, Flocks and flocks of people have been coming after him and he's been calling disciples and they're following him and it's all going great. But from this point, he says, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem, going to be arrested, condemned, put to death and then I'm going to rise again. And he says that if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. And from this point of the gospel, the journey turns towards the cross and towards Jerusalem, just as at the moment in Lent, we're journeying towards Good Friday and towards the cross. So the disciples are being challenged, just as, as Abraham was, to not trust in the wonders and the signs and the popularity and the success, but to trust in Jesus alone and place their hope in him. And that's a really difficult call, a really big challenge to them, especially with the, the stark reality of the cross, that as Jesus goes to the cross, he himself has nothing else to trust in, there's nothing else to hope in for Jesus other than the Father's will to follow him there in the, the desolation of the cross. But God provides this, this pledge, this sign today just to these three disciples that come up onto the mountain with Jesus and they see this revelation of Jesus in his majesty, in his glory. The Father reveals who the Son is, shining out in, in robes wider than any bleacher could bleach them. And the voice comes from heaven, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. You can listen to him and you can place your hope in him. Because he is God himself. He can fulfill and he will fulfill your hopes. He can carry that hope, unlike all these other worldly things that our hopes can be drawn towards. So as the disciples are called on this journey that now starts moving towards the cross, even when they see Jesus arrested and condemned, even when they see him put to death, they have this pledge that Jesus is Lord and you can follow him. Even when Jesus is closed into the tomb and all these earthly things seem to have faded away, there's this pledge that this is my beloved son and you can hope in him. 
So as Jesus was able to trust in the Father and go to the cross without any earthly things to hope in, he was able to hope in the Father's will, follow the Father's will and trust in him. So we have this pledge of God's God's glory and majesty revealed in Jesus today on the top of the mountain in this transfiguration to say that you can follow Jesus to the cross because even though it seems like all is lost there, it is the path that leads to majesty and glory. It is the path that leads to life. And if we can be brave enough to to follow and place our hope in Jesus and follow him to the cross, then we can discover there as well a remarkable love, remarkable love that the Father has for us, that Jesus shows for us, that whereas we think it was an insane thing for God to have asked Abraham to give up his son, to sacrifice him for the will of God, We see when we follow Jesus to the cross that God loves us so much that he did not withhold his son but suffered his death and loss on the cross that we might be brought into glory and brought into life. So we can discover this amazing love and when we do we know that this is a love that we can put our hope in. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.